Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio's Toast to the Art Show, where every third Saturday we get to talk with artist Victoria Chick. Uh, Victoria is a contemporary figurative artist and an early 19th and 20th century print collector. She's based out in Silver City, New Mexico, which is a beautiful art community in the southwest corner of the Land of Enchantment. And not only is she an artist out there, but she is the spearhead of the development of the Southwest Regional Museum of Art and Art Center. You can check that out if you go to swrm-art.org. But welcome back to the show, Victoria. How are you? Oh, thank you, Lisa. I'm so glad to be here, be able to talk with you tonight about you know one what? of my the, favorite favorite topics. <laughs> this is, well, the art is always a topic, right? But today it's interesting because yes. we're talking about illustrations in classic children's books. And I love this because September is actually National Library Card Sign-Up Month, like getting kids in there. It's also been uh, throughout the month, there's all kinds of book-related events like International Literacy Day, um, uh, a lot of book-related events in September. And I think it's also spurred because it's, you know, back-to-school month and things like that. But I think, you know, I, I grew up going to libraries. Did you do that, too, as a kid, go to libraries for your books? You know, well, I did. Yeah, we had we had a, a bookmobile. I lived in the country, so having the bookmobile come during the summertime Ooh. was like was like this magic thing and you you got to go in and you got to pick out as many books as you wanted and uh you I was always I would always read mine probably within 3 days and and then you know have to wait another week for the bookmobile to show up again and and uh turn these in and get get new ones so yeah I I was a reader and um and I was a reader probably because my parents read to me when I was before I was able to read and so I I grew to love books and at the time uh you know I could see the pictures that there were wonderful books and I could I was uh you know two and three years old and uh my par- parents would read turn the pages I started to to recognize words <laughs> not that I could actually read them but but uh when my parents would turn the page, I knew I knew immediately what that first word on the next page was going to be. <laughs> so um, wow. um, by the time by the time I got to first grade, we didn't have kindergarten before I lived. By the time I got to first grade, I could I could read pretty well, and mm-hmm. um, I, fortunately, the Dick and Jane books were pretty boring. <laughs> after reading <laughs> some some after having my parents read these classical. Um, children's stories to me. Well, so, you know, uh, there's... I, I just find it amazing that you have this mobile book like library back in the day, right? Of your childhood, oh, yeah. and and here, you know, as a kid, you know, I, I was, you know, I was raised in Kenya, England, South Africa, and England. Mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think back, but we also toured England, so we traveled a lot. But in Kenya. And my memory is a little, I always had books because Nancy always had books, you know, 
yes. you're yes. always reading. Reading was part of your daily life, you know, read, read, read. Right. And we're also living on Karen Blixen's land, which is, you know, everybody out of Africa, ladies land, you know, it's where we lived. Right. Right. So like, you know, we, we had a little, you know, of that upbringing, a very uh, colonial lifestyle there. Um, not that we were part of that community of, you know, colonialism, but libraries were there and things like that was from that. We we had that. South Africa, definitely, um, I was probably like nine, ten, eight, nine, ten years old when we got there. I was living at the library and I read things like War and Peace and I don't know. Nancy got me stuck. We were talking about this the other day. Um, MMK, the, uh, the far pavilions and stuff. They, like all these historical novels became mm-hmm. part of my life. And I lived like, I couldn't wait to come home from school to get back to my books. And I <laughs> yeah. read books like insanely. And when they had illustrations, it was really cool. So this was a little bit older than what we're going to talk about. But even then, and I didn't know what I was reading about half the time. I mean, they were talking about sexual things that I didn't know. Like, I'm like, what? Mom, what's this? And she's like, not yet. I'll tell you a little bit, but like, not yet for the whole thing. Like, what you think now <laughs> is enough, you know. <laughs> but um, right. But what we're talking about is more the childhood things. And I remember Watership Down. Do you remember that? Did you get that book? Yes. Water- yeah. Oh, yes. Now, isn't that weird? That's I know we're going to talk about Beatrix Potter and Alice in Wonderland, <laughs> but Watership Down, what do you think about that? And can, don't you think that was a little dark? Like in, in... Well, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, it wasn't my favorite. Uh, I loved Wind in the Willows. And um, mm. that was that was older, probably. That's right. Um, That's right. Uh, that is then, my England then... time. Yeah, that I did have all that in England. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So, Wind in the Willows, that's true, but Watership Down go. Why is that? Is, okay. So we're going to talk about illustrations with these classical, you know, children's books, these classic ones. But the authors, we do so many interviews with children's book authors. And basically they say the book is not going to happen without the illustrations and the illustrator. And they have to have a good relationship. And that's interesting yes. going with your article and everyone that's on blend radio and TV.com. Um, yeah. Victoria's article and that's linked in the show notes, but um, that relationship, I, can we just go right and, and move forward from the article where you talk about Lewis Carroll um, and his right. illustrator, because that was an interesting relationship. Well, it was, um, and it, it, they did not know each other before. Be, they were put together more or less. Um, uh, John, Sir John Tenniel, he was he was really a sort of more like a editorial cartoonist. He worked he worked for Punch magazine, which your readers may or may not know about Punch, but it was a real famous British magazine. Um, they was it was in some ways very satirical and in some ways very um, timely with with what they had to say about what was going on politically. So he he was well known as as an illustrator and a cartoonist for Punch for years before he met Lewis Carroll. But 
what he did, um, Carol was trying to to per- persuade him to be the illustrator for his books, and um, he wound up he wound up doing um, a lot of illustrations. Ninety two, I think, for Alice in Wonderland, and they did more for Through the Looking Glass, and he was he was doing wood engravings, which was really wow. it was really hard. I mean, it's so exacting because uh, it's very hard wood, so it holds up during the printing printing process, and uh, when the press is crunching it down. And um, that worked for a while, but then the um, technology changed. And so he he started doing, um, taking those wood engravings, and they were trying to make electroplate um, engravings out of it, which would be a mechanical kind of thing. And he hated those. The first ones, they they printed a bunch of books, and he, he rejected all the books. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if they got rid of them, or burned them, or whatever. But if they're still around, they're probably collectors' items. Yeah. Um, now, so but anyway, he wound up. He wound up. Uh, they they did another run on them, and uh, he he approved those. And what his illustrations were really, I think, what made that book so popular. Uh, <sighs> And if, if uh, anybody who sees them, you know they're just so imaginative. They're so so lively, and you can they 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 pick out the characters of the of the you know the the characters in in the book so well. Um, so um, he he wound up his reputation. Roundup. I mean, he'd he'd been this illustrator for Punch for years and for other for other things, but really people remember him most for his illustrations for Lewis Carroll's books. But it's it's interesting because you say in your article that, like, basically once he did these, you've got to think about it. Where you know, I just I just did an interview with with an. Uh, uh, children's book author and they animated Uh, his book into a video with animation right so you uh can read the book have the hardcover book with your kid and or here's the video part and i was Mm. like wow this is cool because everybody takes things in differently right and i was like well let's talk about the illustrator and how does this relationship work and then i'm reading your article and thinking about these classics and how much time like for his book to have been made through the editor, through the anim the the one illustrator, then the animation people have to get all of it, put the sound, the voiceover, all of this. It was right. almost two years. And yes. and and the and big you know- publishers don't do anything with this. These are all independents because the big publisher, yeah. the big five, it's like our big five uh <laughs> music labels right don't do vinyl where the rest the independents are saying hey you're missing out buddies and you're making it more costly because you're not dipping in your funds you're anyway um but there's the same thing in the publishing world right now this kind of craft has gone out the window Mm. they've left that and the independents are standing up and going, Hey, we want animation. We're doing this, but they have to have this 
like he had in his book, um, it was about uh, a multi-ethnic, uh, it's called uh, Fried Rice and Marinara, Marinara, because it was about a kid that is Italian and Chinese. And there's no mm-hmm. books that represent multi, you know, uh, cultural, yeah. multicultural uh, ethnicity and for kids to understand. And so that's what the book is about. And he's going, holy cow, I didn't know what I, but he's a broadcaster. He's, he, he works, you know, for the NFL broadcasting station and stuff. Mike Yam is his name. And he, he was, I mean, it was amazing to hear the, what he went through to get this done and to see the illustrations. Cause I look at every children's book that we interview the, the authors about, and I'm like, the illustrations, if you didn't have the illustrator, your story is not told at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? A lot of times, a lot of times the, the publisher, the editor will connect, will know enough illustrators that they will try to connect what they consider to be a good, a suitable illustrator for the type of book or the, or the storyline to, to the author. And, you know, sometimes that works really well, but it's always a chance that, that when somebody else is trying to be a matchmaker, <laughs> that the match isn't perfect. And, yeah. uh, and then and there's, and there's always a, with what you're talking about with, with all the uh, video and stuff. I mean, the, the author has, has the uh, chance there, or the, there's a, there's a built-in chance, I guess, for the, for him to lose total control and, and start to feel that, it's not his book anymore. So I think that's right. It's tricky. It's very tricky. It's, it's very tricky in children's books. I just want to say is like people think, oh, you know, I'm just going to throw out a children's book as part of my branding yeah. and marketing thing, right? My like web of clothesline kind of thing. Children's <laughs> books for them to work, you actually need to understand children's minds. You have to be able to rhyme the right way for that right age group. You have to, or not rhyme, you know, depending like Mike Yam, he definitely could do it. And it worked. It worked really well. And he understands he's a broadcaster. He's a, you know, he's a newsman. He understands how to sell a story. But, and he had the illustrator called him and said, and she's in a different country. She's like, "Um, to represent Chinese and Italian, you need to send me photos of your family so I can do it right. And she did. It's amazing what she did. Right. I mean, it's actually quite mind-blowing when you think what we can do now. But I'm going back to Beatrix Potter, who we're going to talk about, and then Lewis Carroll's with with his illustrator, John Tennille. I mean, this was wood-blocking. Like, this is like a whole industrial. Like, I want to say this is industrious versus what we do with a click (laughs) of a mouse. You know, and both are hard work. Both are hard work, uh, you know. Yes. Um, so, yeah, this is a little interesting about how it was. And <laughs> he he well, basically yeah. didn't want to do it anymore. Like it seems like. Well, yeah, he he. There's there are different schools of thought, you know, because he was asked by Lewis Carroll, who was very thrilled with his illustrations. He was asked to illustrate additional books, and he just flat out refused. And people thought, well, maybe he was just burned out uh, because it was really hard work. Um, he, they thought maybe um, he just put so much energy into it that he, he just didn't want to do it again. Um, 
I don't know why, you know, why he didn't, because, but he, he went back to illustrating, uh, cartoon, doing cartoons for Punch. And he, he did that for many more years. And he wound up, the, the interesting thing, I think, with him, I mean, he was, he was an illustrator for a long time. Um, he, his reputation appeared to be more, he was more successful for those two books he illustrated for Bruce Carroll than he was for his, all the work he did for Punch. And I read, I read that he did over 2,300 cartoons for Punch and people, wow. people like, people like them, but you know, they don't, you know, they're, they're, they're on the paper, they're in the Punch magazine and then they're gone. And whereas, oh. the, whereas the book, the book is, is a classic and it la- it's lasted. I mean, gosh, it's been, uh, gosh, since the 1860 something that, yeah. uh, that book was first published. So it's, it's lasted. It's, it's created his, um, I wonder if it's reputation. because someone told him what to do. And that's the thing. Like, that's what I was talking about. Like, hey, these artists now are used to like, okay, tell me your vision and we're going to create this. Like, you know, it's like creating a website. Tell me your vision. We'll create this. Right. And it's kind of that same thing. Whereas back then, this was part of communication. If you think about it, you know, what yeah. he was doing, uh, Sir John Tennille was, you know, cartoons and, you know, all of that uh, was part of the communication of what was going on. So I wonder if that was his cozy spot, this pushed him into a, out of his comfort zone and he got pissy with it because people told him what to do, you know, and at the same time he had, you know, he only had one eye for eyesight, you know? Yeah. And so don't, don't tax my eye over your opinions. You know, <laughs> I can understand right. getting pissy with that, you know, just being in the industry of it all. I get it. Nancy's yeah. de- plus, plus he, giving, he, giving a he nod was, of that he, too. He, he, he was dedicated. He, he agreed to do it. He was dedicated. And so he, he carried on uh, through the, you know, doing all these illustrations and if he, and even just for one book um, or, or, Two, two books, I guess, um, 92, 92 wood engravings is a, is a tremendous undertaking, undertaking. And um, he, he just, yeah. So he just might've been tired of it, um, of the technique, you know, he, um, well, I, I think, I think he, I think he got along okay with, um, with Lewis Carroll. Can you tell everyone that may not understand? I mean, I know people listening are interested in art and understand, but some may not know the extent of the work of being an engraver. Can you just explain that process of what he does to get one piece sure. of art? Sure, sure. Um, engraving got started at, um, back in the in medieval times, um, and maybe a little bit before that when 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 people had swords and, and armor made and uh, they would, they would put, they would put uh, designs on them. And then, and then the, the, to, to show the client that they were making, they would take, they would rub a little ink on the design they'd made on the armor and they would put a piece of, of paper on it and pat it down and 
So pull it off so they would have a sort of picture of what, what the design was on the metal. So they would peel it off and the ink would, the ink would stick. So that was how engraving really started. And that was, that was pretty primitive. But then in the, in the later, in the 17th century and the, and the 16th century, it got people started actually being engravers. They usually fell to jewelers to do this. Um, and then later on, uh, they were they were in, by the 17th century engraving had gotten very um, complicated. Um, they took they they would take they would engrave. You know, an art, let's okay. Let's talk about all, we can use Albrecht Durer as an example. Albrecht Durer did these wonderful designs. Um, he he engraved some his stuff. Uh, he engraved them uh, on, on metal plates. He, these pictures that he that he did, but but then later in the next century, other other people would come along. I want a copy of that. Well, Albrecht Durer was now dead and couldn't do anymore, and so they would have other engravers that were very skilled, and they would copy these engravings and. They were only using metal at that time. Then they started using wood, a very hard grained, fine grained uh, wood. And they were using slightly different tools, but the lines were very thin. And uh, it, re- it required just as much skill to, to, dig, to dig through the wood oh. slightly. And um, the, the thing with wood is um, it didn't, Stand up a long time, depending on how much pressure pressure was given by the press. So mm-hmm. there was a limit to the number of prints they could make. Maybe they could they could do a couple thousand, you know. Um, so the so the runs of these these editions were small. And, wow. Um, before they so when to it do gets another, a, how does it get into yeah. a book? Like from that to a book. And then well, being they would, in they a would, book. It, it's, yeah, it's just like it's just like a page in a book. So they would they would do these things as pages, and then the and then the pages would be sewn into the book, just like the the print was print was sewed in. Because so, what, uh, what I saw was some of the pages, like the Queen of Hearts was in there with the writing around the actual illustrations. So that's kind of a. <laughs> Like back then, that had to be like a huge deal to make that happen. And I know just even Nancy and I, like Nancy, when she started her magazine in South Africa, it was mm-hmm. cut and paste. I mean, yeah. serious, real deal. And like it wasn't, we didn't have all these little grid things that we can use now in our, our stuff. And even that now it's changing now. It's like intuitive design. Which is a pain right. in the ass. Sorry, oopsie. But it's well, true. You know, it's not the same. Book, it, book it, I mean, yeah. it's weird. Yeah. It's weirdly different now. Well, it is. It is, and let, and now a lot of a lot of books are just simply glued together. Um, they don't they don't sew them in like they used to. Right. So, um, a lot of times, you know, you buy a book and you read it a few times and then, then the cover pops off. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Welcome to Walmart. The glue Oopsie, is sorry, out. I didn't yeah. say that. Yeah, I didn't say that. But yeah, I didn't yeah. say that. So, I did not say that. But no, but that's yeah, just the but, truth. But back then, yeah. back in, 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 the, in the 19th century, the 18th century, book binding was considered one of the arts. And 
they there was a lot of care that went into it and they would you know besides the besides what you expect to a book to have like um, you know the the copy the copy and pictures they were there were also all these extra special pages in the front and the back that were that were beautifully color uh, inked <laughs> yeah with the color page color pages that that was you know it was sort of filler but it made the book beautiful God, I'm, you're making me feel ancient, even just in our own magazine. I mean, you've known us since our print days, you know, and yeah. we had print magazine. And I remember, like, you could have, like, the eight pages of color in printing, yep. right? And yep. then we were like, no, we want, we, I mean, at first we had to. And so, like, these are the pages that were color. And, like, you could sell ads that were in color on these pages. And basically, you're paying for the whole magazine if you're doing that, sure. you know, because it's so much yeah. money, you know. And then we went full color. through. I mean, it was like, oh, you're doing this many. And then you had to know the layout by eight, by this grid of eight. And now yeah. you're digital. It's like, oh, yeah, we can do anything. I mean, even if you did a bleed or not. Like if your picture went to the edges was a big deal for printing. Yeah. I mean, and right. I'm thinking going back to this this book and, you know, think of Alice in Wonderland and uh, Through the Looking Glass. And I think like he did a lot of pen and ink look like to me, like even the one where she's holding the pal- the. The flamingo. I'm sorry. I love the flamingo thing. So, you know. <laughs> well, you know, Tanil did the, did the designs. By the time he, you know, he, and I think he started to do the, the grid, but by the time it became so popular, there was no way that, 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 that they could continue to do that way. So they got a professional, they had a professional engraver to, um, to carry on. And so oh. um, he wasn't, you know, he, what's the, because they were switching, they switched from the, the original, um, uh, and wood engraving to the to the photo engraving, so uh, the technology cha- started changing so much. So he was not he he quit being involved, you know, because it was it was now be now out of his hands, really. So, oh. um, <sighs> yeah, that's that's wild. <laughs> so, like you know, it, I mean, you know, yeah, and then you have to let go of your own art, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, but you know, I mean, people oh. people who do commercial stuff. They understand that, and they they don't get bent out of shape about it. It's not because they know um, there's going to be a yeah, lot of copies, commercial. and it, their name is still on it, still connected with it. They still get credit for it. Um, but I think and, with him uh, and Punch, Punch was a big deal. It's like being Mad oh, Magazine yeah. or Rolling Stone, or yes. like that was right. the sign of the times. Like Rolling Stone is actually, I think, right now probably doing some more of the crazier stuff and mad magazines. No, I, I miss that. I just like the animation. <laughs> yeah. The I haven't cartoons. seen, I haven't seen it in so long. Yeah. You know. No, I don't think it um, exists anymore. I, I really don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I, I, I really appreciate anything that has those visuals and, you know, right. yeah, I, I, I love comics, you know, because yeah. there's just this, there's just this, there's also a dryness of it. Like there's a sarcasm right. and the dryness of that comedy, but 
Um, I, I really appreciate what he did uh, as an artist because you you look through it. It's like, and and then you think he's using one eye to do all of this. Yeah. So he's really straining and using everything he has to do this. I, I think right. that is amazing. But that amount of work, I wanted people to understand that, like how much went into these yeah. books and at it, that time, you know. You know? It could be, you know, because his eye disease was, or his eye was a progressive loss. Uh, so it could be that he, you know, he just was, um, his vision was not up to par for him to do that kind of work anymore. So, Or you know, he just yeah, really wanted to focus on his thing, you know. He, yeah. I don't know, I just kind of feel like when you're in that newsy industry, like you kind of, there is an excitement with it. I can't. I I can't explain it other than you have an excitement no, of the is. pulse. Yeah. Every time you, every time an edition comes out, it's it's a thrill. <laughs> a book you know? is a task. It's yeah. this heavy load, and then once you yeah. do it, it's like okay. And then like now, like all the authors we interview, okay, I've done this book. I'm done. But now, no, you have to go and do all these, you know, yeah. press but things. You know, and they're like, we're done. We're done with it. I'm done with it. I want to move on. You know, your public, your public is never satisfied because they will really love your book. And they'll say, what, what's your next book going to be? going to be. But now the pressure's on again. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and I think most of them now, actually have it. But I, I want yeah. to go to, oh, I can't wait. Beatrix Potter. Nancy took yes, me I, to Beatrix Potter's place as a kid. That was when we lived oh, yeah. in England. This was yeah. a special, I think it was still winter in the Lake District. And we did go to the Lake District in England when we lived there. And I mean, it's kind of interesting when I do think about, like, I always went to the historical novels when we first started talking. And then I realized, like, yeah, I've read this, done that. Yeah, yep, yeah, no. Um, but Beatrix Potter, I think... You know, we talked about it on the last show you were on with the Jefferson Highway, and I got into Carolyn Dorman and all the the botanical drawings and stuff, which it really, mm-hmm. I'm still, I, I'm, I got stuck down the rabbit hole of Beatrix <laughs> Potter again, and all the mushrooms, well, because I just was in mushroom land in the Appalachians, and I just, I, I, I honestly want to say that I think this is probably one of the most important forms of uh, community co- communicating science and nature to people versus photography, yeah. actually, in a weird way. I don't, I'm not well, dissing photography, but I just no. feel like there's this other, like, this is important that people shouldn't forget this art form. Well, an interesting thing to to me about well, first of all, let's compare and contrast to Neil. Neil was was illustrating for someone else. Beatrix Potter sort of started out that way, um, doing and doing said, illustrations <laughs> from yeah m- mushrooms and and uh, all kinds of uh, botanical stuff. And she was she was very skilled. Uh, she was in demand by the scientific community at the time. Uh, to do these illustrations uh, because because she could, was so exact, but she she gained that exactness uh, throughout her life. She never she never went to art school or anything. She just was a a very observant person and was able to record what she saw. 
And that, that's really important. But she was also had this fabulous imagination. And she, she lived on, always lived on a farm uh, or out in the country. <clears throat> uh, she had a brother. They never went to school. They were, they were tutored by their mother, and who must have been an intelligent person. Um, they always had mm-hmm. pets. They, they, they were surrounded by farm animals. So she, she was observant, and, and um, she, when she started, she started um, illustrating, writing, writing stories, and il- illustrating her stories. With by by with animals using her using her observational skills, but but she was she was more than just a recorder when she did these stories because to she was able to imbue personality into into these illustrations, and so that so the characters I think are really lively. They they are somewhat anthropomorphic because they talk <laughs> and they and they do things uh, that children can relate to, and I I think she's a wonderful illustrator. Um, and um, hmm. oh gosh, she I the other thing I, she did, I, which she's I think, amazing. Which I think, I, I think yeah, she I I mean going there, having been to her, she's got a garden and all kinds. Yes, as a kid, like. I just remember, like, every, I know it was winter, so it was very bleakish, you know. Even though we were in the Lake District, it was that bleak right. kind of look. But there were hidden things everywhere. That's what, oh, that's, that is my immediate memory, is hidden things, like bunnies yeah. and hidden stuff <laughs> around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Well, I have to, well, you know, Glenn and well, Norf- our Norfolk Tours guy will have to, tell me like where I'm missing or whatever. But I just remember as a kid, there was always something to, there was something hidden to look at and to right. make you look. I think it well, when did you something went, for me. When you, when, when you went there, that was that, you know, you got to see where she lived. You got, mm-hmm. you, she, she had given all that property. She, she wanted, she wound up being a really wealthy woman. Uh, she was smart. She was she was a great artist. I think she was a good story, storyteller, and she was a, she had a financial mind, and so she got a little bit of a of a uh, in, um, will in a will. She she gained, gained some property for some money from her aunt. She bought more property. She um she, she would buy, she kept her books were were selling very well. This is and this would be about the early 20th century, like 1901, 1920 in that era. And she, her books were doing well. She started buying more property. Well, when she finally died, she gave her property to the co- the country, and to and it to be turned in, and it was turned into a national park. That whole area that she she at one time owned, and I'm sure that what one of the things she did that was so astute, she was the first person, probably and the first person I've ever heard of. Who understood marketing? <laughs> uh, she, what she she was a precursor to Disney uh, Disney Corporation, mm-hmm. you know, because because she she made actual toys had actual toys made and marketed based on mm-hmm. the illustrations and the characters see, in her books. See, 
So she, she yeah. yeah, she understood like Ted DeGrazia, which we've talked about on the shows before. Yeah. But in Tucson, yeah. he had that mindset too. He was like, all right, you want this? Here's where this part of my art is. And then here's this commercial side that you guys want. You want it? Here, yeah. I'm going to give it to you because I can. Yeah. And then other artists poo poo it, but they're like, hello, I'm paying my bills, doing what I love and understanding what the public wants, but I'm still doing what I really want. And I think that's actually kind of an interesting model. It's, it is yeah. a business model, right? I mean, cause she right. still did exactly what she wanted. And so did Ted Negrazi. Yeah. Like she did what she wanted. Like she did. <laughs> she did. So, so, um, so anyway, I, I, I just, that. I admire, I admire her. I think she I was do. ahead of her, t- ahead of her time. Um, I just love that she did the fungi thing because that's all I've been in. I, my <laughs> mind is I'm, I've been, I've been in like fungi land in my head. Like I would like oh to my draw gosh. them more than photograph them because I have a dog pulling me like, you know, when I was in yeah. this forest, I just wish I could just draw them because I would be more exact than the photography in a way. And if Sam, we yeah. can do everything exact in photography, but there's this, there are faces that come out in the fungus. Like I can't explain yeah. it. It's weird. Yeah. I'm weird, but um, Beatrix Potter. Yeah. I mean, she's a huge part of my childhood, you know? And I thank Nancy right. for that and taking me, to her place and I think for her as an artist too got to see that it's like how do you it's tell amazing. that story yeah. isn't it, that it, it's, it's amazing it is yeah. it's, a, it's amazing to me what we, we what remember what we remember as children that is important to us and you know our parents take us places and they think this will be this will be nice for them you know to see this but they don't realize the impact lifelong that, that certain things have right. well nancy and, uh, told me that that she she told me that when i was a kid and before we went to africa and england and everything when we were first here in the states she took me to disneyland that was a thing and she was all excited uh-huh. i'm taking you to disneyland and nancy worked there at, at one point you know she learned how to cut yeah. silhouettes and do all that stuff there and she took me to disneyland and we came home and, and she's like, oh, did you have fun? I said, yeah, I saw a lot of knees because I'm in a stroller <laughs> yeah. and that's all I saw, you know? And so that's a perspective, right? And so right, it's a very right, interesting right. thing. Yeah. And here she's like, I'm taking my child to Disneyland. I'm doing this, doing that. Yeah. And she wants the yeah. best. But, but Beatrix <laughs> Potter had hidden things. Like I'm going to say, like I've never had a thing about going to Disneyland my whole life. And people look at me like I'm stupid. I really don't care. And I think he's amazing what he's done. Walt Disney, but Beatrix Potter had hidden things to look at. And it just, even as we're, it just dawned on me as we were talking on this show, like she had hidden things to look for. Yes. Yeah. And that is everything to kids. They want to look for things. Yeah. You know, yeah. and in a book, yeah. I think you want that. You want, I, I think that's why like the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe and stuff worked because there was like hidden yeah. things, you, the clues, you know, and, and mystery books are such a big deal is no matter what age right. you're at, right? Well, you I want think, to be I part think, of yeah. it. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. And when you read it, when you read a book, you imagine what people look like or what situations are. Mm. What when they're describing a scene, you you re, you are recreating it in your mind based on what they they say in the book. But then if they turn it into a movie or they turn it into a TV show or something, frequently it's disappointing, no matter how good it is, because these, the people that are cast may not may not meet your expectations. Mm. And so you have to change. It's, it's not, it's just not the same thing. And you have, you have to, if, if you want to like it, you have to make an adjustment. But, um, yeah, uh, I, 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 just, I've, I've, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm just thinking of Beatrix Potter and that property, man. I remember it now. Yeah. Like it, like the more we yeah. talk, the more I see it, or maybe my mind's just recreating it. You know what I mean? But it's yeah. it's kind of a trip to think about because I don't even think she was even that. Oh, I I don't even think the whole place was open when we were there. I know I don't think it was or something like it was kind of like a close season. But here you are, yeah. You're lucky well, to you be know, there. It, moment by the by the time she she gave it, I'm sure she had you know over. I'm sure it was over 500 acres. You know, maybe larger. So. Probably a lot of it was just left natural. And hey, yeah. we got to give a shout out to America because we started the National Park Service, and the <laughs> Lake District is a national park unit of England. Yeah. So, yeah. just saying, um, we did it first. <laughs> <laughs> just saying, just saying, we get to do that once in a while, you know. But Victoria, <laughs> what a cool thing! I mean, it's 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 really cool because. In a way, when we think about what kids read, the illustrations may tune them into art. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm still looking at Alice holding onto a flamingo going, what the heck? <laughs> you know, I got to look into that. I'm going to read more. I'm going to get involved more. And opens our minds. That's the thing, too. It's about opening our minds. And yeah. the relationship between words and art that is huge. Now we're looking at illustrations being words, art, animation, music, vocals, you know, right. it's changed. I mean, it really has. Everybody uh, keep up with Victoria. Go to victoriachick.com. She is here every third Saturday. We love it. I mean, you know, it never ends with what we talk about every time she comes on the show, I'm like, go down a rabbit hole, literally with Beatrix Potter. Right. So victoriachick.com and bigblendradio.com. Thank you for joining us listeners. Thank you, Victoria. You're more than welcome. We'll talk to you next month.